so you have to strive to create a culture and an environment in the design studio where you can throw out an absurd idea and have it become later the obvious idea. Like, well, we had to do that because it was put out in a point of complete vulnerability, complete safety. No one tore it down and said, that will never work. They, they said, okay, let's push this as far as we can push it. Let's keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it until it breaks. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about design is pushing ideas until they break, breaking it, trying to fix it. Okay, that one, we throw it away. Let's put, let's take another idea. Let's push it as far as we can before we break it. And those absurd ideas become obvious. And that, to me, is one of the most successful stories about design and what design can do. Welcome to the ArchiSpeak podcast, the podcast for architects by architects, where we discuss all things about architecture. I'm Neil Pan. Each episode, Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me invite you in on the conversation as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the block more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we gather around the water cooler and talk about this profession we call architecture. It's time for some Arcuspeak. Welcome to episode 71 of the Arcuspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Arcuspeak is sponsored by Arcat. Visit them at arcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. And we're also sponsored by Hager Companies. You can find them at hagerco.com. And we'll talk more about each of them a little later in the show. But first up, I think we have a friend of the show this week. We have a brand new friend of the show. And that is Paul Reynolds, who donated $27. Paul, we want to know why it was 27 and man, that's awesome. Thank you for donating to the ArcSpeak podcast. Oh, his Twitter handle is PaulRay27. That God. might have something to yeah, do with it. Yeah, but what does that mean? I don't know. Paul, you got to let us know. So he is uh, from Indianapolis, and he is a designer, builder, fabricator, and architect. And I also read on his website that he is a beard grower. So uh, he is a manly architect. A beard grower. <laughs> he he I think specializes. We need photos, photos to prove that. Yeah. And uh, so he has been listening to the show a lot. I know that you guys uh, know this as well because he's been hitting us up on Twitter for uh, different comments as he makes it through the different episodes. And uh, it's very cool to hear about that. So thanks for taking us back uh, through the previous episodes, Paul. We appreciate it. So if anybody else would like to become a friend of the show and be as cool as Paul Reynolds, you can go to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate and you can donate anything over five dollars and you can get your name read on the show and our eternal gratitude so thanks again paul and that's it 
All right. So what's up, Tap, uh, for this episode, Evan? I think you you mentioned uh, you wanted to touch on something we've, we've had on our list for a long time about uh, designers getting to do the fun part of the job. Is that right? Yeah. So something that I hear all the time in the office because <laughs> I do design. And it's just funny because the last episode we did, it was called, uh, what was it called, Neil? It was called... All About Design. All About Design. And, uh, and so that's about the Monterey Design Conference, which is coming up in about a month. So uh, make sure that... You're gonna go uh, go to the MDC website and sign up for that. So we'll we'll be there. But um, yes, I I hear this all the time. Well, I don't hear it all the time, but when I do hear it, I kind of roll my eyes because I think it's it's kind of meant as uh, you're not you don't do the hard work in the office. You get yeah. to do the fun part of the job. Well, real quick before you dive into that, I you know I, your title is designer, but in firms in the past where, you know, we get to do the design work and everything else that I hear it all the time. So, Oh, you get to do the fun job and all this other stuff. I'm like, you know, I got to do all the other stuff too, but <laughs> I, I, I know exactly where you're going and, and it kills me to think that people divorce design from the overall process. Yeah. I think that there is just a misconception about what the job of being the designer is. I think it's just in those cases, it's it's really misunderstood because as we alluded to last week with Alice Kim on the show, architecture is r- tough. It's really hard sometimes. And I think that she's even coming to that realization through the lenses of doing design because there are so many different aspects of design. And I think it'd be fun to talk about this on the show because most of us get taught design in school and that is a very small percentage of, I don't want to say the job, but I want to say positions within firms is the role of designer. It's a very small percentage. And while we constantly talk about on the show how you can find design anywhere in a project, I don't, I don't want to limit it um, to right. just the role of the designer. But when somebody categorizes design as the fun part, I, I do agree because that's what I like oh. to do, but I don't think that it's, I don't think that that's a fair statement to be made. Well, you know, design is fun. Yes. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. I think that's yeah. what we all got into this for is because we love to do the design work, but it's funny because when people say that, they're thinking that, oh, well, I've got to do specs or I've got to do the CDs or I've got to do this or that. Design has to reach through all of that. You can't just start the design, draw, you know, as they say, draw all the pretty pictures and then just hand it off to somebody to work, you know, work it out. I mean, you're, you know, there, well, there's like five different phases, you know, from, uh, SDs all the way through to CA and, and, you know, or conceptual design on through. And, you know, you've got every bit of it is touched by the design. And if you stop designing, even through, spec, you know, writing specifications, you're, it's not going to be right. 
Yeah, but Cormac, that you're describing the ideal world, right? Or the no, no, it's 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 it, it's it's the reality of the world. It's just people think that design stops when you get out of S. No, I think what I mean by that is that in the ideal oh, world, yes. design you are right. designing it reaches through all of those aspects in order to create the design. I totally agree with you, but but there is that aspect of our profession where there is somebody who does the pretty picture or does the kind of thing they don't have time to figure it all out and it's like okay well here's the design yep the client loves it this is good okay here you know you, you deal it with off. it you figure and it out you yeah. figure it yeah. out right and and like oh, by then relay. it's already been approved by the you know the planning department or something and so you're stuck with this elevation or you know these these elevations right and it's like you start working through the plan and I'm thinking in residential because that's my background where this has happened, where literally I, I was working on a project. The, the designer, one of the firm principals, didn't have much time, kind of threw out these designs, these elevations, kind of uh, had the graphics department add some stuff to it, got it through the city planning department. Yeah, everybody loves it. You know, here's these plans, these elevations, and they didn't match. So I'm working out the plans and the real elevations, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this roof line doesn't exist. I, how do I create this? Because <laughs> it just literally didn't exist. And you so I like mean, a design problem. It, yeah, exactly. It was a design <laughs> problem. But unfortunately, I literally had to based on a create, design mistake, create, create weird things. It, it crap in the damn plan that just didn't work. Yeah. In order to create a false front elevation that matched this crap that the guy didn't have time to do, <laughs> like well, what the you know, hell? <laughs> but but see, that's that that illustrates my point is that was design, that the fun part of design? <laughs> yeah, it was gonna say, yeah. Desi- design <laughs> doesn't him, stop. The pain in the ass for me. That's when people start to mix up kind of these phases. He really basically did conceptual design. Well, yeah, you know, and if everybody, if we had a set of them to be able to tell people that conceptual design design through the planning department. Exactly. The The napkin sketch. (laughs) Exactly. And there's a lot of times, you know, we, we talk about this whole computer generated rendering versus uh, hand sketching and stuff like that. And, and, you know, he handed you off a hand sketch, but you know, too many times we, need to dazzle the client or dazzle the planning commissioner or whoever with, um, you know, a set of uh, digital sketches or digital renderings so that we can show them what the project's going to be. And it may be nowhere near it. Or unfortunately, you get stuck and say, oh, I got to produce this now. And now I got to figure out all, you know, Evan threw all this crap on the on the paper. And now I got to work it out. <laughs> And I think there are a lot of people who are justified in thinking that way, right? It, and that happens. It's yeah, not it like does that happen. doesn't happen. But, I mean, it's really, it's the the talent of a designer who's paid his dues on doing the detailing and all that other stuff and, you know, now gets to do some design that it's, they're not going, you know, if if in the perfect world, and, and I know that um, Evan fits into these because I, I know Evan and I know what he does, but he fits into the into the designer that knows how to put buildings together and isn't going to just draw a bunch of lines. Ooh, I'm going to you you know, make shit up. Is that I, it? <laughs> I want this overhang to be seven foot long, but it's only going to be seven inches thick. So, you know, because that be works, right? With a sky hook, right? Exactly. You know, it's levitation. Love that. Uh, sky hook. Structural Velcro. 
Strong. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Although, completely side note here, had a client who said, "Well, um, if nothing else, let's let's cover it over with um with fireproof poly." <laughs> okay. It's just like everybody looked at each other. And that's we were a just thing. Like, I was like, <laughs> "Who's, who's going to tell them?" <laughs> No, no, no. We were just like, you know, let's just smile and nod. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. I love that. I say that all the time. Just smile and nod. But but I want to... Total side note there. Sorry. No, that's... I want to touch on something else, though, that that I think is part of this topic is being labeled as the fun job. Yeah. I'm not really sure what fun exactly means or what you what you i want to ask you what yeah you i i i think they're mistaken that it is it, again it is fun for me and it because it is a creative yeah outlet for me it is a, it is what i do but at the same time and i'll let you finish what you're gonna say i think that it is way harder than it looks and i think that that has to do with all the constraints and working with clients and working with all of the different information that we collect when we kind of go through the beginning phases of the project and have to synthesize that into design, uh, into a design, a solution. And I don't think that they're thinking of it that way. I think they're thinking of it as, oh, you just get to sit down and get out the colored pencils and you get to come up with ideas. And then, yeah, like Cormac said, you, you pass it off, you hand it off to other people to figure it out. Well, that's that's kind of where I was going with that, Was is that... Um Design is hard, and I think the the hardest part about it is that there's often no right answer, right? I mean, you I know, totally ma- agree. It's... With math, it's two plus two is equal to four. With construction drawings, it's like okay, you do these details, or you know, you do your bathroom details. They're either right or wrong, right? I mean, for the most part, and if you want to break it down, kind of that easily. And I, I don't mean to necessarily generalize because putting together a set of CDs is, is not always two plus two. Um, there's definitely, um, some work involved there, but, um, but I, but, but what I mean by design is that, is there's no, yeah, exactly. You're kind of assembling a kit apart. So, but when it comes to design, it's like, I don't know if it's this is limitless. right, wrong. It, it is sort of limited. When you sit down, there's nothing scarier than sitting down to a piece of blank paper. <laughs> Exactly. I think that that's the difference between a good designer and somebody who doesn't have as much experience too. I don't, I don't think that is scary to everybody like that. I will say that that is scary for me sometimes, but most of the time it's not. And I, and I, and it does depend on the person, I think definitely. So I don't want to say, I don't want to generalize there either. Right. Well, you know, I mean, really when you sit down to the blank piece of paper, I mean, that, that's the exciting part. That's like, oh, my God, that's it's when you say what this, if, right? whatever, whatever I want to come up with, I can, you know, granted, you have to, you know, but I mean, I think what they're also missing about the fun part of the job is in, in you should ask them, OK, well, do you want to do my job then? Because you're the one who has to sit down and run it through the client. You have to go through all these different committee meetings. You're the one who has to sit down with, in the case of public schools, the user group, the you know superintendent and their kind the of group meetings. and the construction groups, yeah. all these other different maintenance and whoever else has their hand in the pie of the design. And that right there alone can suck the life out of the the fun of the project. And you should ask them, is like, do you want to do that? But they don't because, understand that, the scope of that. Yeah. I think what that you're saying is the people grass are thinking, is always greener on the other side, right? Because it's fertilized with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the forgetfulness of 
the struggle that is design. And I think that people think back to when they were in school and they think of the great projects that they did where there were no clients. The program was laid out for you. Yeah. Um, the constraints were tight. There was always there everybody, was no everybody else was working on the same project. And so it was kind of easier at that time, right? To, to look yeah. at everybody's and synthesize your own piece of that, that and make it different. Uh, or make it the same or using a good idea and making it better. And I think that there's a lot of that that goes on where we just forget how much of it is actually a struggle. I I've, I was explaining this to my wife. I said, you know, I, I love what I do, but don't think that it's not a struggle. It is always a struggle. Sometimes things happen easier, but usually I'll go through five or six exercises to come to the solution that I'm happy with. And even then it's going to get tweaked and tweaked and tweaked, and it's going to get input and criticism from my colleagues so that it becomes the final piece. And this just, this happens all the time. It happened today when I'm talking about a lobby design and a stair design, there's, there's people sitting around me while I'm uh, throwing the crap on the wall to see what sticks. And I think maybe after let's do a little break here, but I want to come back and talk about, uh, the vulnerability of being a designer, because I think that's really the nut of what I want to get to when we talk about how designers and, and that title compares to the other roles that happen inside of an office. All right. Well, hold that thought. Uh, our first sponsor for this episode is RCAT. Would you like someone to draw CAD details for you, create BIM objects for you? How about write specifications for you? Would you like someone to do this all for free? RCAT has already done this for you. Search the RCAT libraries for these products and more, free of charge and no registration required to download content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Check out RCAT today at ARCAT.com. That's RCAT.com, and we really appreciate their continued sponsorship of Arcuspeak. All right, so I want to I want to read this quote by Theodore Roosevelt. This is one of my favorite quotes. Please uh, do it in character. <laughs> I will not. All right. It so is not the critic. Here's Teddy. Yes. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat." And to me, that is all about putting it out there, showing up and doing the work and putting it out there. And I think that is the part that a lot of people fail to see when they think of the courage it takes to put that stuff on the wall and have people rip it off the wall. Because right. that's really, to me, like, that's what makes design better. But that is yeah. also very difficult to handle. Yeah, and without getting too far into the whole 
you know, discussion of the frag, fragile ego. I mean, you're right. That's it takes takes guts to kind of like sit up there. Okay, especially one of the things that I was always one of the reasons why it took me decades to really kind of put any of the artwork that I do out there is because I didn't think that I could handle the rejection or the criticism or whatever. And, you know, Teddy says it best when he says it, it takes the guts of the guy who's really doing the work and putting it out there, no matter what comes back at you, just putting it out there. That's what's, that's the tough part. I, I, yeah, I agree. And it's, I think it's part of our culture today where it's it's pretty unforgiving kind of armchair quarterbacking where there you can comment on anything nowadays, right? You can comment on blog posts, you can comment on Instagram pictures, you can comment on everybody's yeah. posts on Facebook, and, and you can just snipe. People can just snipe. And that happens during design critiques. And we've talked about critique before and the real role of critique and i don't want to i don't want to downplay its importance because it it is what it is the difference between a good and a great design is yeah. a good critique because the role of everybody at the critique should be to make the thing better and it is not a, it should not be a, a, about the person um but when when you show up and you put your stuff on the wall that kind of emotional exposure is difficult to have the courage to put out there. And I think that's why I see the role of the designer as being extremely vulnerable and, and just, I don't, I don't want to, it's hard to explain, but I, I don't want it to be like, come on guys, you really don't understand. But I, I really feel like it's one of those jobs that is behind the scenes, hard, harder to deal with. Well, I mean, you know, you, you said it best by just kind of like pausing and saying jobs. It is yeah. a job. Design is a job. Yeah. There was a great book about that. It's called Design's a Job. Yeah. And most people don't seem to, um, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's the fun job, you know, or that you're just having fun. Well, my fun is a job. And even though I do enjoy what I'm doing, I'm also a valuable contributor to the project. I am also, you know, this, it, it's hard. It's not like, it's just, you know, Oh, let me just take pull something seriously. out of the sky and slap. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, the fun still has to stand up and it still has to protect people. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, well, a lot and of I people, think the, the best part about design is that it takes, a project somewhere that nobody thought it could go. I think right. that is a measure of what makes design successful and important is that it not only solves the problems, but it also makes it a wonderful place to be, right? Because what we do is all about place and it is all about people. And if we're not actually making life better through architecture, then I don't know if it's a successful design. True. Because, and then and then back to the vulnerability thing, I think in today's society, a lot of people in the, the very, you know, you guys are always talking about the Raiders, and, and, and I think people see, and that's you, Neil, uh, I think people see vulnerability as weakness. I think people see it, you know, if we're in a very, I don't know if it's, if it's, if I should generalize it that, e that easily, but that is, I, I see it like that in the firms that we work at. 
where if you're out there and you're putting something out there and you don't know the answer, you're exploring the answer, you're putting it up there to see if people agree with it, that is seen as weakness. It is not... It is it is not weakness when you say this is how it's going to be, and you telling the client this is how it has to be, and and right. here's what you can afford, and here's what we're we're not going to try to push the limits here. We're not going to say what if. We're going to just we're going to do it exactly how you said, even though we're the ones who usually bring the creative solutions to the table. And I don't see it like that at all. I think that that is probably another piece of the puzzle that is missing from a lot of people's view of what design is. But, okay, so you, right before the sponsor break, you started to talk about how you were somewhat holding court, doing a design. You guys were ta- you were talking through some right. lobby and right. some stair stuff. And I think one of the other things about design that people are missing is how the designer helps to orchestrate the team collaboration. And you know, so, so talk about what you were... Talk about what you were doing today and and how all of that kind of, you know, because when you're sitting there and you're talking through all of this stuff, people are engaging. People are, are saying, oh, yeah, yeah, and and we could do this and we can do that. And their wheels are turning on how am I going to detail this out. And that kind of, you know, sparking of their wheels turning helps them to, I mean, they're they're designing. They might may not be designing um, the stairs because you're kind of working on the stairs, but they're designing how to make those stairs work. And that's an equal amount of design. They just think that that's separate from it. And it's not, it's part and parcel of the design. Yeah. I think that there's, there's usually a couple different camps in the group of people who you're talking to. There's the people who are on the edge of their seat saying, oh, we really have to pay attention to that edge right there and how, if people can touch it, if they can't, what it's detailed like, does the does the material turn the corner or is it a separate trim piece, right? And they're, they're talking like that where right. it's, right. again, it's like the what if. Okay, what if we do this? What if we try that? Um, and then there's the other kind of person who's slouched back in the chair, <laughs> arms crossed, not saying a word. Yeah. And those are the people yeah. that bug the crap out of me. Well, you know, those are those are the ones who, you know, they they look at not just design, but the detailing and the documentation no, as well, just I would, as a chore. I would even say that okay, so so there yes, there are those people and then there are the ones who don't know what you went through to get to where you are. And right, so, for right. instance, like with this particular design problem that I'm talking about, I've gone through six or seven completely different schemes for a frickin' staircase, okay? And and that is that is normal, I think. I think that that's, well, it's normal for me. I'll say it that way. And But, but they don't know about that history. They don't know how many things you've tried, and they think that this is the first thing you spit out. And it's, uh, to me... During that kind of a group team collaboration, I will turn toward the other people who are like, okay, now let's, let's do this. And they're the ones getting into it. And I will fully engage with them. Yeah. And to me, because that is where we are making forward progress. And that is what I enjoy with the process. Because I'll tell you, there's so many times when we're working on design work and we get tunnel vision, Right. We fall in love with a particular solution and we 
have we don't have the ability to step back and look at something objectively. And in, in here's where I always talk about the design as the full collaborated team and not just, you know, a single person. Yeah. And, and maybe it comes from my experience in, you know, where I'm like the cradle of the grave project manager where, you know, was responsible for design and all that other stuff. So I wasn't really compartmentalized um, the way that you guys are. And now I'm in that position where there are designers, there are project managers and project architects, and they are have distinct roles even though everybody, in, in it's even in your case, you know, everybody has a part to play in the design, whether it's the lead designer or the project architect. You know, I was um, in in, our, in my new firm. One of the first observations that I had, and I thought this was you know extremely cool, is that the designer, the project manager, um, principal in charge, and a bunch of the project architects were all kind of huddled together, and they were sitting there and they were talking about some of the design aspects. And as they were talking through it, they were talking about, um, I can't remember the exact particular, but what they were, they were basically making design decisions. And as they were making those decisions, then they were having the, okay, if we do this, what does that mean? You know, and somebody yeah. who was pretty versed on the code said, well, you know, what that does is that triggers it to be, you're going to need a fire separation here. And then somebody else kind of piped in and they said, well, you know, that's going to change this wall type and this wall type is now going to have to be, you know, <laughs> such and such. And it's going to oh, have man. a UL rating of this and all that other stuff. But what was great about it is that there was that conversation. So yeah. not only does the, so the designer has the the knowledge of what they want to do uh, to get it accomplished, the project architect has the you know technical knowledge to kind of execute it, and then they're going to say, okay, well, so we're going to have this type of wall partition. Is this kind of what you were looking for, or do we need to figure out a different type of partition that still meets our UL rating, but you know gets you the you know the aesthetic that you're looking for? Right. That see, and that's what I don't get about. People who just try – they divorce themselves from the design process. People like to stick And they a just label say, all stuff, I want to do is detail things or yeah. all I'm doing is just the construction documents. No, you're actually still designing because everything that you do has an effect on what the overall aesthetic outcome is of the building. So get involved with it. Get excited about it. Well, and, and I you, think there's, a, there's an easy way to approach that. And it, it is so simple. It's it, because usually what I see happen with people who are in those roles is they will keep coming back to the designer and say, Hey, what about this? What, he, what should we do here? Right. And my favorite response is, what do you think we should do here? Yeah. Because then it puts them into a different mindset. And I think that a lot of times people feel like roles are specific to people and we have to get away from that because if we want to be great architects, we have to be able to solve problems and we have to be able to right. have offer the, up that opinion and right. potential solution so that the project can move forward and every, you know we can work as a team. And there are so many times where if you say that to somebody, they, they will look at you shocked because yeah. they're not used to it. And so I think that that is something that everybody can do in their firms is, well, if, if you're the person who is in that role, you can come to the table with potential solutions. And if you're the person on the other side of the table, you can ask 
and you can listen a lot more. You can say, what would you do? And then actually listen to what they would do. Um, and I think you guys will all be surprised when, or happy to go through that process because it's, it's, it allows people to be valuable. It allows right. them to add their value to the project. But it also makes them feel like this project is theirs as much they as it is. They need to own it. Yep. You know, I mean, because so many times people, oh, it's, that's Evan's project. He designed it, you know, kind of thing. And no, it's not. It's it's everyone's project. You you know, you have to figure out a way to make it yours and get involved with it. And, um, you know, so I, I just think that um, they're they're missing opportunities to be a strong influence on the project. I think that something you said, Evan, is is really important for any younger person who's working in an office when they come up to ask that question. Because there are firms uh, or situations, uh, you know, uh, that I think that you're not sure, right? I mean, you, you don't want to necessarily just assume that this is your ball and you can run with it now right. and change the design, right? Because we've all seen that happen and, oops, doesn't happen the right way. So I think it's important to collaborate with the, say, if it was Evans, the designer of this project, so let's go talk to him. Um, but I think the important thing to to take out of that is, uh, you know, approach that designer with some potential solutions or some thoughts that you have and say, well, here's, here's a problem. Here's my thoughts on this. Um, what are your thoughts? And make it a collaborative process. Hopefully that works. I think that the person who, that you're approaching on it, the designer in question, um, I think is going to appreciate that. They should because they likely have something else on their plate and it's like they don't really have time to stop and shift maybe gears, right? shift gears. Okay, let's look at this. It's like, oh, well, if you've come up and you've got a solution or you're proposing a solution, it's like nine times out of ten, it'll probably be a good solution. And be like, yeah, all right, yeah, run with that. That's great. And what that does is it builds confidence with, and maybe it's your project manager, maybe it's the designer on the project, whoever it is, right? I mean, it could be your job captain above you or something. It, it proves to that person that they can sort of trust you with making some more decisions on your, on your own. I, I've been in a situation where I've had younger staff working for me. You know, they, they've done something like that or they've come up with a solution to a problem nobody anticipated. Uh, they're working through the drawings and say, like, oh, again, we didn't, we didn't recognize that. You, you proposed a nice solution for that. That's great. So then that gives me the confidence that next time it's like, you know what, here's something that's not quite figured out. Why don't you go figure, solve this for us, right? Well, and the thing about it is that's is how that you move up. Exactly. But the designer isn't going to be detailing everything out. That's, no, nor should they. That's the project architects, project managers' roles in it is to detail it out. The, I don't think the project designer has the time, nor should they be one hundred percent detailing everything out because you know they need to be on to the next portion of the of the project. You know, thinking about some interior space or yeah, well, whatever. There's never else, enough you know. time to design everything. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, you you're going to probably sit. If if you need some like special moment and you need to like explain it because it might be something that's not off the shelf kind of a design, but it's something, you know, really kind of a special moment. I mean, yeah, you're going to probably take the time to work it out 
And that's really when I always, you know, kind of marvel at the gift of, of, you know, just what we label as the designer is that, you know, you know, here I understand, not only do I understand what you're struggling through, but, you know, I can do it too, you know, kind of thing, but that's not really where I wanted to go with that. But, but, but what I'm, you know, where I was going with it is that, you know, the, this is, this is where the, junior architects or the project architects, as you were saying, Neil, can learn to shine. You know, they're going to ask the question, you know, that that's where the collaboration of the, of the team is the most important is, you know, Evan, all right, you're going to give me a design, you know, you're going to give me the concept of the design and I'm going to start, you know, detailing this thing out and I'm going to start pulling all of these things together. But, What's going to make it successful is the back and forth as the details are working out to make sure that this is the design intent. Yeah, intent rather is than, really important, and that honing that you're talking about exactly is, is a great process. And to me, it it and kind of build off of what Neil was saying, just to kind of summarize it, we want to know that you can think. And that you're not just a CAD monkey, right? Because the CAD monkey in the, the lowest sense is I highlight the red marks and I go home. I don't actually think about the ramifications or I don't think about how the intent is maintained or changed based on a change that I just made to the drawings. And that, to me, is really what shows the difference between somebody who is thinking about the project and who owns the project in their way and brings that to the table. Let's let's take a quick sponsor break, and I there's something else I want to touch on is the sole practitioner side of the designer cool. as well too. But let's take a quick break and talk about our second sponsor, which is Hager Companies. Since 1849, Hager Companies has been focused on innovative products, resulting in the only U.S.-based provider offering a full line of door hardware, along with our quality door products and outstanding customer service. Hager provides complimentary architectural hardware consulting services and numerous AIA CES registered continuing education courses. And they will be exhibiting at the Construct Show in their hometown of St. Louis on October 1st and 2nd, and they'll be at booth 307. And they're also going to be at the Texas Society of Architects show in Dallas, and that is on November 5th and 6th, and there will be in booth 765. And if you're listening to this, stop by and say hello to them. Mention that you heard about them on this podcast and mention the episode number, which is this case 71, and you'll be entered in to, uh, to get a chance to win a GoPro Hero camera. So uh, definitely... Check them out at the Construct Show, October 1st and 2nd, booth 307, and at the Texas Society of Architects Show in Dallas on November 5th and 6th, and that's in booth 735. And make sure to mention the podcast and episode number for your chance to win that GoPro Hero. And thanks again for Hager Companies for sponsoring ArcaSpeak. So guys, one of the things I wanted to mention is part of the designer aspect uh, that we're going with, with this on this episode is... You guys keep talking about the collaborative process and all of that. You guys work in big firms. You have those people around you to either support or, uh, or to criticize you or to make the design better. But um, when you're a sole practitioner, there is no one else out there to bounce those ideas off. And that's the part I think when I said earlier in the episode is that sitting down to that blank piece of paper is really scary because in my case – 
I've got my client and they may be very uneducated, uneducated about design and architecture in general. That's why they hired me in the first place. So I feel this enormous pressure to come up with something that is really good. And it's very difficult when you don't have that other, the, those other collaborative people around you to try and bounce ideas off of. And, and so you'll sit down and you'll start thinking about it. You sketch out some ideas. And then, you know, I think you've said this on a prior podcast, Evan, you know, you flip it upside down, right? right. Uh, look at it from different perspectives. Um, one of the things I try and do is after I, I may come up with one solution or two solutions is then I try and really consider like, okay, what's the most outlandish thing or really kind of um, move things around and juggle them up. It's kind of the idea of turning the paper upside down, but it's like, how am I seeing every potential possible, maybe not every, but am I seeing the right solution here? And that's the part that I think as uh, the designer where, yes, it's fun, but it, it can be very stressful because especially if you go to the client and they go, well, I really kind of wanted, you know, this like this or something. It's like, oh crap, that actually works pretty good. And I didn't think of that. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the part, that's the part that makes me very scared of when I'm trying no, to. That's who your team client. is though. Your well, team then, yeah, is the client. But your client's hiring you to be the designer to give them the solution, well, right? Well, yeah, but you're taking them on that journey with you, right? And it's, it's the, it, man, if they're involved, even better, right? Because then they own it, too. Uh, hopefully it's better. Well, yeah, that's true. Not all clients have the best ideas, either. No, but, I mean, you're still the one who, at the end of the day, needs to distill any and all of their ideas into a comprehensive and cohesive design but i mean i think the beauty of and when i was working solo is the the beauty of being able to sit down with the client and talk about you know talk through their ideas because a lot of times we don't actually get a chance to sit down and interact with the client as much as sole practitioners do we're either dealing with committees or we're dealing with a project manager and sometimes we never get a chance to sit down with user groups and or you've got too many ideas yes. coming at you you know and That's whereas hard. if you, when you're sitting down one on one and you're having that conversation with the one and only person who will be using this building or this house or whatever that actually, you know, in a way, that might be more of a plus than some of the design by committee stuff that, that we tend to fall into a lot. So I understand, trust me, I completely understand where you're coming from, where I remember one time when I was stopped working for myself and I started working, my recession hit and I, you know, had to go get a, a, a real job. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I mean, I had to go get a job and work for somebody else. And they're just like, you can tell that you designed this by yourself because you would have sat down and, and had a conversation with other people. You know, you may, may have seen this or that and stuff. And, and, you know, he was kind of critiquing the work after it was already built. And, and to be quite honest with you, some of the things made sense. Some of the things I thought were kind of ridiculous, but you know, it was just kind of him kind of illustrating the fact that they were a more collaborative, you know, they, they work in teams kind of thing. And I understood what he was getting at. And there are opportunities now, Neil, that you can, you know, with the social media arm that, you know, we've kind of have with all of these different um, architects and designers that, you know, you can kind of put your work out there. And you have. 
Yes. You know, you, you've yeah. put your work out there for other people to comment. And I don't know if it's actually worked out. Um, but I mean, sure. you know, sure. no, it, it has. And, and, and I wasn't really going to go into what you can do to try and change yeah, that, but I was just trying before. to point. Yeah. And we, we sort of have, so I was just trying to point out that when we're talking about design being the fun part of the job, that sometimes as the sole practitioner, the design can be the scary part of the job. I mean, when it, when it's designed and the client's happy, um, and it's like, okay, go do it, get the drawings done, get it in, get the permit. Um, that can actually sometimes be like, uh, the fun, the quote unquote fun part of the job, because a lot of the decision making has been done, right? You're putting the parts together, you're adding the notes, um, and that can be, uh, uh, and I guess maybe I'm equating fun with stress, stressful a little bit, um, because to, to me, design can be a little bit stressful because of all of the things that, Evan, you mentioned before. You're, you're putting yourself out there. You're putting the design out there. It's really um, something difficult to do to be, uh, in my case, uh, just last week, sitting or standing in the house that's framed with uh, the, the can lights up in the, up in the ceiling going, Hey, this doesn't quite work out right. Uh, these aren't lining up or, you know, how do we solve this? Right. So we're literally designing no longer on paper in the computer, but literally in the field things that, uh, sometimes, you know, you can't anticipate or that don't show up in the drawings. And so you have to have, it's difficult to have that confidence to stand there and say, no, this is the way it should be. You know, it was, especially when you got the contractor on one side, you got the client on the other side. The contractor is just worried about, hey, I just want to get this done and I don't want to dick around with it that much and change it all the time because that's easy for us to move a symbol. For him, it's work, right? Um, and then the client's sitting there going, okay, this is money. I'm going to either add more, take this out, do, you know, so you, you hit the nail on the head, Evan, decisive. And sometimes that can be very stressful. It's like, yes, this is the right decision. Do it like this. I'm confident. Um, and you can, you can have that confidence and that's great. Um, uh, but there's, to me, there's always that little bit of nagging in the background. It's like, okay, did I on the spot there, did I consider everything? I mean, ideally what I'd like to do sometimes is say, okay, let me, let me, uh, let me think about that and, and I'll get back to you tomorrow. Right. I mean, that would be, that's, that's the ideal. Then then you can go back, you can sit on it. Maybe you can sleep on it and come up and, and go, no, this is the way we should do this. But sometimes you don't have that opportunity, right? Yeah. You got to let your subconscious work on it for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about that before as well. But I think that on the spot, sometimes you're like, oh, and to me, that's that that can be stressful. Is yeah. that the fun part of the job? I don't know. Sometimes to, for me, that's more stressful than sitting down and preparing the structural or preparing the drawings. Right. And so that's where I, that's why I wanted to touch on that part a little bit. I think something that plays into all of the the aspect of design is experience. And there are kind of two camps that I've noticed where um, it comes to outside experiences outside of architecture. There is the camp of people who live and breathe architecture. It's their number one priority, and they maybe work for somebody who is like that, or they are somebody who's like that, and they're at the office all hours of the day, and they they just live and breathe design and architecture. And then there are other people who it's not their top priority. They're they have other priorities. They've got family, they've got travel, they've got, you know, 
a number of things. And I've found that the people who value experience and different types of experiences, and that could also lead to having multiple people on your team who have a varied array of experiences. I've found that that often leads to better design because you're not approaching the problem from a single perspective. Whereas people who are completely engulfed in design and architectural culture start to see things only from that single point of view. And I think that it's something to, to be aware of as you're moving your way up through a company. And especially with the type of cultures that are out there in architecture, where, um, there are, there are lots of different firms to work for where you will put in the hours because that is what you are expected to do. And then there are other types of companies out there. And if you're a sole practitioner, you get to decide this, right? But you, there are other types of companies who push you to go out and have other experiences because they know that you'll bring back a rich uh, background to the different projects that you're going to be working on. And I just wanted to point out that I think that that is an uh, important part of design is to have a wide array of experience that informs that. The, the wider the array, the more that you can get outside of your kind of typical tunnel vision or the way that you approach design, I think is always going to lead to a better solution. Well said. You know, you know, honestly, what that reminds me of, Evan, and, and you can speak to this as well. It reminds me of the hiring uh, that Apple did when, it, at least I can speak to my experience, when they hired the staff uh, for the San Francisco, the, the, the flagship store in San Francisco, which I was hired on to be a member of the team there. there the variety of the experience of, of the staff just blows blew, blew me away yeah um yeah. and Same and thing for me yeah it, it, it was like do we want an entire staff of you know techno computer nerds that to sell computers and talk ram and gigabytes and all that stuff no they wanted creatives they wanted actors they wanted people that knew how to do architects video. they would they <laughs> wanted i yeah when i interviewed you, them, wanted, you mean they were you like people i'm like you know i'm an architect right they're like yes we want that kind of experience in our store and to add to the staff and to talk to customers and stuff like that so that's what that sort of reminds me of and did that build a better staff for that store i think so and i think that speaks to what you're talking about as far as design in in um in a firm having these different experiences allows the uh problems to be solved from different uh from those different experiences and i think that that's very valuable that's what i think about it at least That's my two cents on it. The last thing that I wanted to say about just kind of the whole idea of design is that, and getting back to the kind of the original thesis and Teddy Roosevelt's uh, quote, where it it talks about coming up short again and again. It talks about the ones who uh, errs. You're not progressing if you're not failing, I guess is kind of the way that I think about it. But people in our line of work, I mean, time is money, right? And so failure costs more. Um, and that's a hard thing to balance. And I, I, I just want to point out that you are not going to get it right the first time. And, and anybody knows who puts their ideas on the wall that most of them suck. It's like taking photographs. You know, you'll go out on vacation and you will take 
1,500 photographs, and you will come away with five or 10 great photographs. If you've been doing photography for a long time, it might even be less than that. I, I just recently heard uh, a story about a guy who shoots shore break waves in Hawaii, and he goes out and he'll shoot 2,000 photos in one afternoon, and he is happy if he gets one good one. And to me, it's the same thing in design. You are exploring, and, and most of it kind of sucks, right? But there might be a little piece of one idea that is going to push you to the next level. And I think this kind of, to me, goes hand-in-hand hand with, with the whole thought or the notion that ideas are fragile. When we put this stuff on the wall, I mean, it's like we're timidly putting it on the wall, right? We're not sure about it. We pin it up. And people tear it down, and they, and I, I wish more people understood how fragile those ideas are. And a really kind of a neat quote that I heard, it was actually on the Arconnect podcast, on the Arconnect sessions, and I can't remember the episode number, but it's the one with Bjark Ingels, and he talks about working for Rem Coolhouse, and he talked about how he could only work there for like a year and a half, it's all he could take, it was kind of an oppressive place. And then he went out and started his own company, and, and the whole thought or culture, I guess, that it's a safe place to throw out stupid ideas. And the reasoning behind that was that if you can build a culture where people are comfortable enough to throw out really dumb ideas, it's not until later that those dumb ideas are seen as obvious. And so if you look at one of their recent projects where they're doing a dump in the Netherlands that has a ski hill on it, like that is not a normal idea, right? That is a out there idea. But where do do any of us work in a firm where it, we would even feel safe in any way putting an idea like that on the wall? Because he said it's it's like it's absurd, right? It is an absurd idea. And those typically are the types of ideas where when you hear the absurdity of it and then people kind of laugh and they then they sit back and they think, wait a minute, this, this could, and, and then they'll start exploring. And so you have to strive to create a culture and an environment in the design studio where you can throw out an absurd idea and have it become later the obvious idea. Like, well, we had to do that because it was, it was put out in a point of complete vulnerability, complete safety. No one tore it down and said, that will never work. They, they said, okay, let's push this as far as we can push it. Let's keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it until it breaks. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about design is pushing ideas until they break, breaking it, trying to fix it. Okay, that one, we throw it away. Let's, put, let's take another idea. Let's push it as far as we can before we break it. And those absurd ideas become obvious. And that, to me, is one of the most successful stories about design and what design can do, especially in architecture. I mean, it happens in, across lots of different industries. But that is like disruption, right? That is when something so obvious comes out. It's like the iPhone, right? We had all these phones that had a bunch of tiny buttons on them. And we texted, do you guys remember pushing the one button three times to get the letter C, right? That was, it's stupid now that you think about it. And the iPhone had a software keyboard that could work in any different language. And now that's completely obvious and everybody does it. And everybody thought that was crazy back then. But to me, it's the same type of thing in architecture. You can you can build a dump and put a ski hill on top of it, and it's obvious years later. 
And I, to me, like that's what gets me so worked up and so excited to do the stuff that we do. But those ideas are fragile when you throw them out in the beginning. And we have to actually, with intent, not try to just rip them down off the wall. Let's actually push them and see how far they can go before they break. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> nah, I, uh, I think that's a good place to wrap this episode up, actually. So uh, I'll go ahead and uh, get into this last part here and uh, just say that uh, if you've got questions or comments, visit the website at arcuspeakpodcast.com. There you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcuspeak Podcast Facebook page so you too can join in on this conversation. Let us know what you guys think about this idea of design and and is it the fun part of the job. And then also, too, I just want to... Uh, to bring up that uh, we're 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 making a call out here for to everybody. Oh, that's uh, right. We we want your stories. We, we want, want your confessions. To, we want these confessions. That's right. <laughs> Step in to the Arcuspeak Confession booth that's and right. call us at four one five four eight four eight four nine six and leave your confession. Be totally anonymous. Your office confessions, things that have happened in the architectural office that you work in. Yeah, we we want to hear, we want these confessions. We want to hear it. We want to share it on the show. I think it'll be a fun segment. Uh, we've been we've been kind of tweeting about it and putting it out on Facebook for the last uh, week or two. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna mention it here at the end of this show. Uh, definitely give us a call. I mean, you don't even have to tell us your name when you leave it. We we don't know your voices, right? I mean, you guys hear our voices. Some of you don't even know which can't make out which one is which of us here. But uh, so we will have no idea who you are if you don't tell us it'll just be a great story we can share on the show so again 415-484-8496 step into the confessional give us your office stories we want we want you to share them with us so and with that uh, also too just want to remind you if you can leave us a review on itunes that really helps uh uh, push us up the iTunes list so people can find the show. Uh, so we'd really appreciate that if you uh, leave us a review there. Well, hey, everyone, thanks uh, for listening and uh, stay subscribed. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>